I'm here to serve this pastor in this church and do my best to help folks. And I've just been excited to be here. And Brother Dunbar is always an encouraging host. And then I love like hearing Brother Beam sing when you know the guy and he believes it. It, it's distilled out of a heart of genuine love. Whoa, another criminal came in. Oh, hi, brother. <laughs> um, every year up until this year, that guy would have me over to his house for supper. But no, no, he abandons us and he leaves us. And so, <laughs> no, I, I love being here. <clears throat> you know, in the Bible... When it says, take heed, there are three times to preachers. It says, take heed. In Acts 20, when Paul is writing and he says to the Ephesian elders as he's making his last pass through there and he's going to go to Jerusalem and he says, take heed to thyself and to the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer. And boy, ministry, take heed to thyself and to the flock. That's, that's worth a whole sermon just by itself, what that really means. But then you get to 1 Timothy 4, and it says, take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. And boy, it's noteworthy that both times, take heed to yourself is listed first. Your health, your walk with the Lord your relationships, your marriage, your children. Take heed to thyself and to the flock. Take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. Listen, we see way too many churches whose pastor is off in the devil's trophy case because they didn't pay attention to those two verses. And then in Colossians 4 at the end, when Paul's giving his goodbyes, he said, Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry thou hast received in the Lord. The Son of Man came to minister, not to be ministered unto. And those three things, over and over and over again, I, when I pastored, and in the last 11 years now as I've traveled, I think of how much could have been avoided. I hate the devil more every day. I see the casualties. I see the tragedies. And if we would have just paid attention to all those things, take heed to yourself, take heed to that flock, take heed to that doctrine, and take heed to that ministry. So can we go now? Okay, now, um, and I'm saying I'm for the preacher. Everywhere I go, I'm for the preacher. 
But sometimes pastors do dumb things. They get a major case of the stupids. And it's tough when you're saying to a congregation, follow your pastor, follow your pastor, follow your pastor. And he says, Brother King, I'm moving to Tennessee next week. (laughs) You could have told me. But I'm I'm going to give you an example of what I'm talking about. We're going to find a text somewhere in Corinthians. So if you find that, I'll give you time. But I'm pastor takes a church he's there for two years good fundamental baptist church 150 people everybody's happy 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 and i'll say the state texas and i mean very much like this church and the pastor after being there a couple years going on his third year says hey you know we have pretty high standards of music and Example in dress, and you know, I want to distill it down into writing so everybody knows who comes in the future as our church is growing. We can give them platform and leadership etiquette protocols. And so, why don't we just kind of distill this into writing? Hey, if you're going to be involved in the music, we only use conservative music. and no, this, that, or the heapy jeebies. And hey, if you're going to teach Sunday school and you're a man, you're going to wear a tie. If you're a lady, you're going to have a skirt down to the knees or below. And these are all things that they've been practicing, but he knows the day and age we live in, right? And there's pressure, pressure, pressure always to compromise. So, hey, we all are agreed, and we sign this, and we put it in place, and we vote on it as a church, and nothing's new here. This is just what we're doing, but, you know, who knows? Somebody may come and try to change this. Wonderful. But the very next Sunday, the youth leader who had been teaching the teens for seven years his wife came to church in shorts and a halter top and said, I'm teaching the class and stood up in front of the girls and the boys and told them that the pastor was a legalist. Now, right? I mean, there's going to be blood on the walls, right? I'm saying... Well, of course, he's grieved, the pastor, I'm saying. But he's a, 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 a good guy. A good guy. And he goes, wow. She was in full support of this. She helped write this. She voted for it. She signed. She agreed with it. And now this. I don't want to get into why people change their minds, but mad cow disease comes to mind. (laughs) 
but he's gracious. And so he says to his wife, sweetheart, look, she probably just, wow, could have been a blue moon, whatever. Um, why don't we, this is a good woman, and why don't we do our very best to get past this? Would you just go and confer with her and do your best to reason with her and let her know, hey, we're, we're willing to give this a complete pass like it never happened. Just let's get back together agreeing and serving. And he says, but you know, when we went to Bible college, they told us if you're going to have fragile conversations where you might be misquoted or misrepresented or misunderstood, if there's a dynamic going on that this might blow up in your face, you should tape record it. And so you have an actual documented record of what was said. And she says, well, okay. So he shows her how to put the tape recorder on on her cell phone and says, look, you drive over to her house and before you get out of the car, you just leave the phone in your purse, but put it on the recorder and then you go in and talk to her and hey, if, if things go bad, we at least, what you said can never be misrepresented. They go in. Thank God. This is the Friday before Easter. Good Friday this last year. Everybody, we're praying all day. She meets with her. The lady repents, apologizes says, look, I don't know how you guys are willing to forgive me. I've, been, I've felt so convicted about that. I was wrong. I don't know what got into my mind. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. They pray. They read the scriptures. They hug it out. Thank God. You couldn't ask for a better outcome. What a blessing. And the pastor's wife, who is a natural-born criminal... opens her purse and says to the girl, can you show me how to turn the tape recorder off? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. We, we tape record. I mean, my husband, he's got... The second drawer on the left side of his desk, he's got a dozen tapes of where he's taped meetings with the men or, or hey, when they had kind of a disputing deacons meeting or whatever, he's got all of that documented. We're not going to ever be misrepresented. Easter Sunday, there were 30 people there. That gal got on the phone, called every family in the church. Do you know the pastor? It's against the law in the state of Texas to tape record people without their consent. And this guy is so thick that just because somebody told him that in Bible college, he thought it was a good practice. Now hear me. 
hear me. This is in a good Baptist church. And I'm saying, I, the honest truth is, the person with the purest heart in the whole equation is that pastor's wife. I'm, she, she had no ulterior motive whatsoever. She's as sincere as can be. And she's just, hey, she was willing to go. She was willing to counsel. She was following her husband. Give her credit. But I'm saying, if, if you'd been where I've been in the last year, you'd understand when I say, I am just for the pastor. I am for the church. And I hate the devil more and more every day because I see good people do dumb things. Who thought that was a good idea? And I'm just saying, uh, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not in charge of anything, but I'm saying to the pastor, look, you know, get back in the fight, square up your shoulders, let's get at it. People are dying and going to hell. The culture's getting worse every day. Let's get after it. But boy, oh boy, I'm learning a lot in this last year. Pastor in Missouri, seven kids, wife, Stays at home and raises the kids. But now the oldest gets married. The youngest is now in school. The husband's working a secular job to finance all this. And she says, honey, if I get a job, I can pay the kids tuition in the Christian school and you can pastor full time. But September she starts the job. October she's working. By the end of October, who knew the job came with a boyfriend? Husband finds out. It's a town of 3,000. Everybody knows whose checkbook is good and whose husband isn't. But... He forgives her. They decide, let's not tell the kids. Let's not tell the church. Let's get past this. We can survive this. Let's work on it. We go through Thanksgiving. We go through Christmas. We go through the New Year's. Everything's fine. Until one Friday night in January, she says, Honey, I'm going to be gone tonight, and I don't want you to ask me where I'm going. No, hey, in a good marriage you'd still be suspicious. Even if you didn't have a little track record like that. Okay. Saturday morning, that's Friday night. Saturday morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, the husband drives over to Johnny Appleseed's house. Not his real name. His wife's car is there. Shocking. He knocks on the door. The guy answers. He says, tell my wife to come out here. He says, your wife's not coming out. She's going to stay with me. Now. He 
pulls out his pistol, shoots him four times, dead point blank in the chest. Not compatible with life. The Baptist pastor in the town. Now she don't have a boyfriend. Solve that. Mom has a nervous breakdown. Dad goes to prison. The kids don't have either parent. What I'm saying to you, I hate the devil more every day. If you had been where I have been, you would say, wow, that has got to be. I mean, so when I come here, it's like, you know, slogging through the marsh and getting up on a lily pad. At least Brother Dunbar's halfway normal. But I'm only saying, I pray for you pastors by name, the ones I know. Um, I'm scheduled to be with Brother, I think Vince Williams later this year. I was scheduled to be with Tim Young. But now I'm scheduled to be with Jack Young. And I'm saying... I hate what the devil does in churches. Just, just so you understand. Now, one ounce of Randy King is critical. I just want to see us stay right and do right and reach the world with the gospel of Christ. So it's with that in mind, I want to just look at a couple passages, and I'm not even sure they're in context, but we'll just look at them anyway. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12, and you know that we're in 12, 13, 14, the gifts and the Pentecostals and all of that. But uh, I still think, even though people abuse these verses, I think they're, they're in there for a reason and probably for us. And in many ways... Again, I know this is nothing new to the preachers, but for the church's sake, I want you to see the importance of unity. And I'm preaching tonight a message I call Loyalty with Liberty. Loyalty with Liberty. Here we have in the passage, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 7, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now ye know that ye were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man, speaking by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. But here, where I really want to be, if you'll stand with me, please. Four, five, six, seven. We've already read a passage aloud, but I'd like you to join me on verse five. I'll read through four through seven. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit together. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. 
But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Over in Ephesians 4, and you guys know in verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The psalmist said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The old saying is, as long as the bills are paid, nobody reads the Constitution. And I'm saying in churches, if we have a stated goal of we want them to get along, the devil loves to cause division and strife. We want them to get along. So I want to talk about that tonight. There are differences of administration. I believe it's worth leaving a church over doctrinal differences. But we just went through a transition from me to a new pastor, and he doesn't do everything just like me. I had vacation Bible school with over 1,000 people coming and 200 workers. And he quit that. And they do backyard Bible clubs all over the city in 40 locations. Now that's got to be wrong. <laughs> it's got to be. Because it's not the way I did it. No, no. I spent five years teaching our people the difference between administrative differences and doctrinal differences. Every new man, every transition in leadership has guys that will do some things differently. That's why we pray only to Jesus. But we recognize, notice the interplay here it's the same spirit, it's the same God, but there are diversity of his operations. There's differences of administration. The emphasis is on keep the unity in the body. So I want to talk about that tonight. Lord, thank you for your word. Bless our time. And Lord, these are good folks, and they've come out on a Monday night and a snowstorm. And Lord, we probably won't even need to go to the hotel. We'll just stay here. Lord, make our time here valuable, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When I pastored, and I, look, they say a guy, an expert is a guy 100 miles away from home with a briefcase. So I'm 100 miles away from home, and I have a briefcase. All right. But my feet are firmly planted on the ground, and when I pastored, I, every few years, would get a big whiteboard up on the platform, and I would draw a circle in the middle, and I would say, here is what all saved people believe. There's one God. Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. Everyone is in jeopardy of hell except they repent and call on the Lord to save them. And faith in Christ is the only way to get the forgiveness of God and be assured of heaven. All Christians, all true Christians are right here in this circle. And then I would draw a circle around that and I would say, now the Baptists believe everything in that middle circle, 
But we also believe that baptism by immersion is a type and a picture and a figure of what happened in the heart. But we don't believe it's efficacious. We don't believe it makes you more saved or we don't believe it makes you in the body any more than if you were by the Spirit baptized into the body of Christ. And water baptism is just an outward symbolic practice. Baptists believe that the local church is God's institution for getting his work done on this planet. And then I drew another circle, and this is what independent Baptists believe. And nobody is an authority over our church. We're not part of a denomination. We vote as a body on what we're going to do with our finances, and nobody can tell us what we have to do or can't do. We're independent Baptists. And I would go through and list several things that are true and common of all independent Baptists. And then I'd draw a circle the next size, and I'd say, and this is Wildwood Baptist Church. And we believe some more things. We have a Christian school because we want to do everything we can to educate the next generation. And we have a Bible printing ministry because we believe it's important. God gave the word. Great was a company of them that published it. We believe by, by our, what we're supposed to be doing is printing the Bible. Now, Understand, these are concentric circles. I believe in salvation by grace through faith alone. And I'm a Baptist and I'm an independent Baptist. But our church has some unique identifiers. We believe the King James Bible is the perfect, preserved, without error Bible. And the only divine revelation from God, the only sacred writ and we don't put any stock in the Koran or Buddha. We believe in actually praying on Wednesday night at prayer meeting. Shocking. But then I would draw a circle bigger and I'd say, now, here's the things that Randy King believes. I'm not saying every Baptist believes this. And I'm not saying our church believes this. I'm saying I believe this. I believe you should read your Bible before you take breakfast. I did it today. I believe in actually kneeling when I pray. I believe that men should have short hair I believe that a man should lead our choir. I believe, but hear me. I made sure they understood this is Randy King talking. I don't pretend that everybody believes this or you have to agree with this to be saved. But unapologetically, this is where I am. This is who I am. This is what I do. And then I would draw another circle bigger than that, and I would just say, and out here are the screwballs. 
Anybody who has one more conviction than me is a screwball. And out here are the flat earthers. Out here are the George Bush bomb the towers. Out here is I quit the church if they put up a Christmas tree. I'm against Easter Bunny. I shot Easter Bunny. <laughs> the guy, Brother King, does your wife wear pants? I says, well, why do you ask? He says, because I got convictions. And I said, well, just to be honest, I said, my wife has such strong convictions, she doesn't wear underpants. I'm saying there are strong churches attract strong people. And many of them have convictions that even God never heard of. Hear me. The farther out you go on this circles, the less Bible verses you have to prove any of it. Just be honest about it. Just be honest about it. I, I can't prove some of the things that I believe. But I'm still the pastor. So we're going to wear a tie when we sing in the choir. Nope, nope. Well, Jesus never wore a tie. No, I know, and he never drove a car, so turn yours in. <laughs> I just don't pretend that these things that I believe on the fringes are Bible doctrines. They're administrative things. Uh, we always started one minute before time to start church. I hate starting late. I think it shows a lack of character. I think it shows a lack of respect for those people who come on time. There's just being cold honest with you. Ask me if I can prove that in the Bible. No, I can't. First thing I got up this morning, I made my bed. I'm in a motel. My wife's not even here to supervise me. <laughs> but I believe in starting the day doing something right. But you understand what I'm saying? I'm not pretending I can show you that book, chapter, and verse. It's just me. It's just what I do. And it's very important for, for our people to understand there are differences of administration. Baptists then have a disease. Baptists have a way. In order to be a Baptist, you have to take the Bible, put your hand on it, and say, I don't agree, I don't agree, I don't agree. Okay, you're a Baptist. That's how you get to be a Baptist. You don't agree. Baptists will talk and talk and talk, and they will agree on everything, 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 but they'll keep talking until they find the one thing they disagree on, and then they'll spend their whole time arguing about that. I don't know what it is about us, 
I call it spiritual sword measuring. I have one more conviction than you do. You believe the Bible? My maps were inspired. The cow, the cow that died for the leather on mine was a born-again Christian. They have to believe something more than you do. And Pastor Nelson said, look, let them have it. Otherwise, they chisel you off the edge of sanity. You read your Bible through in one year. They read it six times last year. You prayed for an hour. They prayed for four hours. You, you went soul winning seven days last week. They went eight days last week. <laughs> It doesn't matter what you say. They have to be more spiritual than the pastor. If you spend your life comparing yourself with other people or always trying to impress them, you're going to be a miserable pup. Hey, I am where I am. I believe what I believe. And I make no apologies for it. But having to go back through and then say to our church, hey, I'm going to step away. And what if the new pastor doesn't believe everything out in the old circle on the outside? There are differences of administration. Some of the things like, what if he doesn't start on time? Hey, hey, that's not a Bible doctrine. You find out that almost always in churches, the problems that come are authority challenges. They're challenges to authority. And the success or size or future or happiness of the church is largely determined by how that pastor responds to authority challenges. There are those that cannot stand it. How dare you question me? I am the Pope. Be careful. Be careful. He hates the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, you know. We, on the farm, we had our house up on the hill overlooking 400 acres, the marsh, the woods, the cropland. The deer would come out of the marsh and they would be all happy in March and April and we'd have a thaw and then the babies would come and they'd be in the soybean field and they're all happy getting along and gay and prancing and there's a hundred of them on there playing around and we're getting along in June and July and August and September and they're all friends, they're all friends, friends, friends. But come late October and the does are coming into estrus and God has it so the alpha male in most animal world does the breeding to preserve the best genetics. And this same buck, six point, that was running around getting along fine, decides he wants to challenge the eight point.
The 10 point says to the 8 point, come here, big fellow, let's talk. And then he turns around and there's a 12 point. And a 14 point. And the 14 point runs off with his little harem. And the 12 point is content with two of them. And the 10 point is staring. And the 8 point is howling at the moon. It's going to be determined who's going to be the authority. But this is a natural process. This is not something to be despised or resented or to be insecure about. Good pastors, good pastors, look and say, I'm sure glad we got a four-point and a six-point and an eight-point and a ten-point here. This is the next batch. I want them. I'm not threatened by them. I'm sure glad. And when they challenge me, it's important for me to have the right response. And ultimately, if it comes down to an authority challenge, it must be asserted, I'm going to make this call. But December... We're all running together again. In January, we all lose our horns and we're all friends again. In the next spring, they're all running around together again. But not every pastor has the grace or the maturity or the appreciation for what's actually happening here. It's not wrong. I'm glad when a man in our church says, Brother King, why do we even do this? I should have an answer for that. I ought to be able to give a plausible answer. And so, getting down to the nuts and bolts of it, we have in print, and I would preach on it, loyalty with liberty. Every pastor is going to have people in his congregation who do not agree with how he does things. It's natural. Uh, strong men have never been threatened by a strong woman. They want a bright, capable wife. Strong leaders want to surround themselves with other good leaders, and they're not threatened by somebody that actually has a brain. If you'd been where I've been, and you watch a pastor who's actually insecure himself... And somebody dare question him. He'll find a way to marginalize that man. He won't ask him to pray. He won't let him be a deacon. You can't be Sunday school superintendent. And a good, capable, developing, growing, maturing Christian man gets set on the back row because he dared to ask a question. Dared to verbalize a difference. And it isn't long before they go out the back door of the church, they vote with their feet. And then the pastor 
stands up and waxes eloquent. There's no good men in the churches anymore. I'll tell you what, you can't find a man anymore. These guys, I'll tell you what, there's no character. Hear me, that did not have to happen in most cases. Once in a while, there's a horned toad that needs extradition to a different country. There were the Alexander the Coppersmiths. I'm not saying you're going to win them all. There is that. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I'd like to say we always kept everybody, but we didn't. But they, I never, ever acted happy. Oh, we finally flushed the door. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. I'll tell you what, that door swings both ways, you know. I don't talk like that. I don't think like that. And I don't treat people like that. There are these things in the circle that we all agree on. But I know if there's a weak brother, hey, if meat causes my brother to offend, I'll no longer eat meat as long as the world stands. When somebody says, hey, why do you do that? My first thing is to say, is this a baby Christian that's actually stumbling or is this a guy who has a deputy Holy Spirit badge? He's trying to run me in the church, and he's got a vicarious membership in the Sanhedrin where he thinks he wants to be in charge of the church. Many men who surrendered to the ministry but never went in or many men who chafed under the leadership of somebody else, they don't have the character to go out and get their own soapbox. They just want to destroy what you're doing or steal people that you're leading. But let's agree, hey, the Bible's the word of God. Souls need to be saved. Jesus is the only begotten. All of this, but there are, let's say, eight, ten things that Baptists are going to dis agree on um, can Christians be demon possessed should men be allowed to have hair over their ears should pastors who were divorced be allowed to pastor is there a gap in Genesis 1 I got to tell you this, Howard, I wasn't actually asking you. <laughs> there are these dozen things. Is Matthew 24 talking about the rapture or the advent or the coming for the start of the millennium? You know and I know these Issues are in every church. We had a man who was a part of a church out in the Kansas area, and their church, when they took on missionaries, they just said, hey, if you want to take on this missionary, stand to your feet, 
And if you'll give at least $25 a month to this missionary, if 10 of you say you'll give, we'll take him on for $250 a month. But if 10 of you don't stand, then we're not going to take him on. So this guy, good Christian, had committed to four different missionaries at $25 a month. So he's given $100 a month. Now he moves to our church. We don't use that system. We give tithes and missions offerings through our church. But the trouble is, he's already made a commitment to those missionaries in that other church. Right? No. I, I'm not in charge of him or his personal finances. But his challenge to me was, Brother King, you're doing it the wrong way. No, I have to cross a bridge. Well, I let a man who doesn't see things exactly like me serve in our ministry. I don't own a pair of shorts. I don't wear a pair of shorts. I just came back from Hawaii. There's no electric blue Speedo marks on my legs. I could prove it to you. <laughs> right? A guy comes, Pastor King, back in my home church, I always taught in the Bible Institute. I love teaching the book of Romans. I got books and books and books on it. I'm orthodox in my theology. I believe everything you believe. Could I teach a class in the Bible Institute on Romans. He comes the very first Monday night in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. Now in our Bible Institute, we wear long pants, a shirt, and tie if you're going to be a teacher. No, hey, this don't make him a bad man. He came from a different background. He came from a different understanding. I don't marry divorced people. I'm right. If you ask 50 pastors, you get 51 opinions. I made a choice. I'm not going to do that. I didn't say it was in the Bible. I just said I made a choice. I'm not going to do it. So my whole ministry, I just didn't do that. Do you think there aren't good men that disagree with me on that? Sure there are. My goodness. We're going to get to heaven. They're going to find out I was right. I'm saying I have my feet on the ground. I get I could be wrong. I can grow. I can learn. I can see something new. You just got to have a dose of humility when it comes to this stuff. And so you have crossed this bridge. Will I let somebody who disagrees with me on whether or not Abraham's bosom is the new paradise or not? Whether or not it was grapes or apples in the garden. Well, I let those who come to our ministry, who get saved, who read the Bible, who have a brain, and they disagree with me, well, I let them serve in leadership in our church. Now hear me, that's not quite as simple as you might think. 
to say yes or no on. Because if somebody's purposely trying to cause strife and division, I don't want that. And you got a lot of good, innocent people who might fall prey to somebody who's making minors into majors. And so I taught our people and I preached it from our pulpit. And I said, listen, if a guy is not a baby Christian stumbling, but he's a mature Christian who has arrived, however he got here, maybe he was raised in a different church, maybe he moved here from a different state, maybe he's got more brains than sense, I don't know. But let's say he believes different than I do about Matthew 24 or Titus 2. No, there's no hiding place for me. I pastored for 42 years. Everything I believe is in writing and on tape. And I've said it in front of God and everybody. There's no hiding. But here comes this guy. Am I going to let him? I know he believes differently than me. Will I let him serve in our ministry? I love and cherish our people. I'm the shepherd of the sheep, under shepherd. I protect the flock. But I want to develop people. I want to give them room to grow. I want to have the spiritual maturity that doesn't feel threatened every time somebody with a brain comes around. And so I would tell them, you've already verbalized that you disagree with what Randy King teaches and believes. If I'm going to be gone and I ask you to preach on a Sunday night and you pick one of these 10 subjects to preach on, you're showing a lack of character. You got a whole Bible you could preach. You don't have to preach on plurality of elders. You don't have to. When you do that, all that you're doing, when you, when you step down on somebody, everybody who's watching you is actually watching you get lower. If you think stepping down on people is a way to be respected, you're sadly mistaken. But here's what you need to understand. You're playing with four jacks and I have four aces. I'm going to win this in the end because no matter what you say the week I'm gone, I could take the next six weeks and undress you publicly. And I can show book, chapter, and verse. Here's why I believe what I believe. I'm not threatened. I'm not worried. If you don't have the character to preach on something that you know we agree on, then you don't deserve the pulpit. You don't deserve a chance to preach. But more than that, more than that, sure you can teach Sunday school, what about if we're going through the book of Matthew? What about we get to Matthew 24 and two will be taken and one will be left? And what is that? Hey, what, what do you? And you believe different than Randy King. 
Here's the liberty you have. I'm not asking you to lie about what you believe. You have the freedom to say exactly what you believe about that passage. But that freedom, that liberty is bought with a price. And that price is you're going to be loyal. And the way you're going to show that loyalty is when you spent time explaining your position, you're smart enough to know the position, then you should be smart enough to know my position. You know that good Christians disagree, then you should know why I took my position. And when you say it, you're going to say, there's a lot of good people that don't see this passage like I do. And Pastor King does not agree with me. And then you will present my side in a plausible light. Here's why. Here's how he understands that. Here's why he believes and why he holds to that position. Because as he looks at that passage, now hear me. Hear me. If you can't do that, then you cannot verbalize what you believe. You're going to have liberty as long as you show loyalty. But if you can't show loyalty, and listen, when you preach this to the whole congregation, and then you have some member of the Sanhedrin, I'll tell you what. Pastor King's got this all wrong. Husband to one wife and all that. He's got that all wrong. Maybe I do. But I've got hours of teaching on that subject. He better be acquainted with before he says a word. Because out in the congregation are some pretty ferocious loyalists. And they're going to come and tattle. And they're going to say, Pastor King, do you know you got this guy and he's teaching a class and he stood in front of us and said, everybody that doesn't agree with him is an ignoramus. Oh, hey, hey. The 14-point buck is not threatened by that. At the end of the day, I know who's going to win this. My challenge is, can I stay friends and succeed with that man? 90% of the time, if you deal with a man in respect and confidence, you can salvage the situation. The ones who are constantly changing, how dare they? Fine, fine. Chase away anybody who has an ability to think and then you pool ignorance with a bunch of people who couldn't think for themselves if their life depended on it and then sit there and criticize your church for being stupid. Hear me? I, I've been around a long time. I've watched this over and over and over again. 
when I think it's so unnecessary. I, I say, can we just get past this so we can be running together? Let's put our horns away. It's January. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. We didn't win them all. Over 60% of the men who left our church came back, apologized, and rejoined our church. We had a man stand to the pulpit and what I said and what I did was wrong and the only man that ever loved me was Randy King. And he did his very best to help me. He told me, if I leave a church mad, I'm probably going to lose my kids. I lost my kids. You don't, you don't get roast peach in your teeth without having it affect your family. I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. This, he was a good man and he was in our church for four years. Lord, please help me. Help me help him. Take heed to yourself and to the flock. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Take heed to yourself and to the ministry that you've received in the Lord. God, help us minister as the Lord Jesus Christ ministered. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm done. Thank you.